Hello and welcome to Called Bank Sports. Please leave a like, subscribe, and let's get into covering the Jazz at Washington Wizards. Well, versus Washington Wizards. Oops. I'm kind of still stuck on the last game where they played terribly and lost as well. So tonight Utah dropped their um their first home game of the 2021 season to the Washington Wizards in a game that, in my opinion, looked a bit closer than it ended up being. But you know what happens. You you can't always go and win 25 in a row, but it was a really disappointing night, and I kind of just wanted to talk about why I think Washington has been just a team that has really destroyed the Jazz the last couple of times they've played this year. Um, I think that one of the big ones, taking a look at it, is that they have two players who are amazing in transition, in Bradley Beal and, and Russell Westbrook. They're one of the best transition teams in the NBA. And it has definitely shown when they play the Jazz, they have absolutely annihilated Utah, who is, who honestly, their big defensive struggle is trying to guard five out, which I don't think is as bad, is as big of a problem as people say. It does hurt when Gobert can't get the rebounds, but I believe that that's a bigger issue than him being on the perimeter. And their other one is when the other team's able to get out in front and just is able to make it so they can't get set in their half-court defense, which is the best in the NBA. So being able to avoid that definitely gives the Wizards a step up. Bradley Beal is also one of the best mid-range shooters in the game. And you'll notice that last year, when Utah when Utah would play San Antonio, Kyle Lowry, or sorry, um, DeMar DeRozan, would really hurt Utah with his mid-range shooting, as well as... um. Drawing a as well as Lamarcus Aldridge, who was a great, who was great from the mid range, and that would hurt the Jazz and made it hard for them to beat San Antonio. In fact, I think they might have dropped all three games in the 2019-2020 season. So when you have a night like tonight where Bradley Beal went off as one of the best, um, as one of the best players in the game currently at with mid range shooting for 34, and then you also had Russell Westbrook go off hitting some great mid range looks. That's going to be really hard for the Jazz. And the reason that hurts the Jazz so much is with Gobert, they're one of the best um, teams at defending the rim. And with O'Neal and Mitchell and Conley, even though Mitchell and Conley aren't, you know, the best defenders in the league, they're able to do a really good job and to be one of the best teams in the league at denying the three-point shot. And so that leaves the Jazz vulnerable to people taking those mid-range looks. But that typically doesn't end up being a problem because the game has moved far away from those mid-range shots. They're not nearly as valuable because they're at a low percentage. Um, they're harder to make than being directly at the rim. But they're and there are similar difficulty to trying to take a three-pointer, but they're only worth two points instead of those three points. So that's why you see the Jazz when they play the Suns, and you have Chris Paul, who's amazing from the mid-range, that hurts the jazz when you have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George go off from the mid range in a Clippers game that really hurts the jazz. So that's something that I don't know how often the jazz are going to see because that is a bigger change to people's games. Um, then I think a lot of individuals really think and realize, and then a lot of other teams aren't just, just aren't going to run transition like the Washington wizards do. It's not really sustainable. It doesn't help them sustain success. It, there's a reason why. I mean, they're 20 and 33. It's not, 
it's not where you want to stake your claim and what you want to do to be a successful team in the NBA. So from that perspective, I just overall don't expect to see um, any teams really go and hurt the Jazz like this in the future. So just really quick look at the box score at the um, team stats, and then I'll get to the chat. And if anyone else is on, please leave a like and let's see if we can get a few more people to this stream. So um, Jazz ended up shooting 41% from three-point land, which is the first time they've shot 41% from three in four or five games. So that was a positive step. Didn't help that they lost, but definitely a step in the right direction. Um, Overall, they shot just below 50% from the field at 48.2, which is really good. I mean, putting up 121 is pretty good score. When you have Washington shoot 47 of 90, even without those three-pointers, even without as many three-pointers, it just wasn't enough when you end up factoring in that they shot pretty much the same, um, that they made pretty much the same amount of free throws. So rebound battle, Washington one by one, definitely doesn't help the Jazz there. And taking a look at total turnovers, the Jazz had 14. And looking at how close the game ended up being, I think that I'd really end up saying that turnovers definitely put the Jazz in a really bad spot to begin with in this game. I mean, I believe the first play of the game was a layup and one by Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal that just kind of set the tone even though the Jazz ended up winning the first quarter. But they pretty much only won because Donovan played really well the first quarter, which typically doesn't happen, but he wasn't able to continue that, so... Overall, stinks to lose, but I mean, stuff does happen. So, Weston Harris says, hey man, we always play bad against Westbrook. That's definitely part of it. That's one of the reasons is Westbrook just wants to have great games against us. Kind of makes me really mad at those two fans who said those absolutely um, horrendous things. Just the fact that it set him up to always want to beat Utah. Like, definitely would prefer that 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 stuff was never said and we didn't have to deal with this. Um so Will Jensen says, um, player prayers up for Jamal Murray, man. Yeah. I saw that before I got on and oh my gosh, it's just always that moment when it's like, for me personally is there's always that first thought that little runs through my head. Like, Oh, now they don't have Jamal Murray. Like, what does that mean for the jazz? But just watching that and looking at the fact that I mean, we might never see Jamal Murray again in the NBA. Like, him and Donovan had one of the most iconic playoff series battles of all time last year in the first round of the playoffs. I, I don't think that that's up for discussion where you want to rank it is up to you, but you can't say it's not iconic and that we might never get to see that Jamal Murray again, because like that can just be, be it for a guy. So I really hope that prayers up for him. I mean, I don't think, well, prayers, first of all, that it's an absolute fluke, right? Like, I can't say anything by name, but I have seen like those one or two injuries where you're like, oh, nothing. Oh, that just looked terrible for a minute, but nothing happened. But I mean, it was a no contact injury. Like, I mean, it's definitely a ligament and I just, oh my gosh, that's just so depressing to see. It's just really painful to watch there. Um, so my highlight for the jazz of tonight, just to kind of get back to the jazz game is honestly probably is just, oh, dang it. Donovan got to 42 points. I'll be a bit honest here. I didn't. I have some family in town, and so I didn't end up watching most of the fourth quarter. I didn't realize that Donovan had such an outstanding um, 
fourth quarter to get him up to 40 points, which is awesome. He's the first Jazz player to do back-to-back 40-plus games since Karl Malone did it in 1990. So that's been three decades in the making. It's special to see that, even though, sadly, it's in a loss. Um, I think, though, the most disappointing thing is Bojan's 33 points, like getting that in a loss. I would have really preferred to see us be able to have Bojan get on track in a win. Um, I mean, he shot 6 of 10 from the three-point line. That's awesome. And then he was 4 of 8 from 2, which 50% is pretty good. So just really bites. And I think the biggest show here is we talk a lot about teams not having depth and the Jazz having depth. And I like to believe that, but I don't know if I really do. I think the Jazz have enough depth to lose one guard for a limited period of time. You don't have enough depth to lose a center because you have Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. And as excited as I am for Doak, I don't want to put any faith in him. Um, And Ilyasova, maybe we could play some small ball with him, but again, it's not where I want to end up being. So overall, looking at it, like we definitely don't have depth at center. Power forward, like we have O'Neal, Ilyasova, kind of Bojan Bogdanovic, like still not a lot of depth at power forward. And then when you get to um, small forward shooting guard and point guard, which the Jazz have just, which I mean, the modern day NBA has kind of turned into like ball handling guard or ball handling guard who's a bit taller. So we have more depth there and we can lose one player. Losing Clarkson off the bench and Conley as a starter is something that I don't think we really have the depth to be able to bring in more guys. It was really awesome to see Trent Forrest um, get some time and to see Oni have a bit of success there. Like I do want to see those players get more time, but frankly, the Jazz just aren't necessarily going to be super successful when things like when that happens. So overall, um, I think once you put in that the fact that the Wizards do kind of have the Jazz's number, there's definitely some other issues as well. The Jazz should have won this game. I'm not going to say they shouldn't. They are one of the best teams in the NBA. And but then you also don't have Conley and Clarkson definitely makes it harder to have that success. So I'm going to really quick here. If you guys want to say anything in the chat, leave a like, we can get to some more discussion. I'm going to check how the games today impacted 538 and basketball reference. And then we can go from there. Um, so the, let's see projected record going down. Um, 538 still puts jazz at 54 and 18, um, four games ahead of the Suns for the best record in the league. So according to them, this game really didn't impact anything. I think I'm guessing that means that they had pegged the jazz as losing. So, um, did that didn't impact anything. And then 538, uh, dropped the jazz. Oh, did they drop the jazz? When is 538 updated? Oh, not 538. When is basketball reference updated? Basketball reference, as far as I see, doesn't have a last updated um, section that's super easily available. Oh, last updated Monday, April 12th, 425 a.m. Okay, so basketball reference doesn't looks like they update in the mornings after all the games and not as um, frequently as 538. But didn't really this game didn't really impact the Jazz's um, playoff pretend, playoff odds or anything that much. Hopefully we can beat Oklahoma City tomorrow. So... Um, Oh, Will Jensen. Thank you. I couldn't find that, but that's good to know that basketball reference usually updates in the morning. I'll stop. 
I'll stop pulling that just because it's not the most up-to-date info. So, hey, thank you everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Sorry for the later stream tonight, but thanks for being on and thanks for engaging on the chat. It's always, um, it's always really fun. So, uh, join Dale tomorrow night after the Oklahoma City Thunder game. And thanks again for tuning in. Go Jazz!